0: Hello and welcome to the Meaning of Life podcast hosted by Dr. Susie Farrello. Dr. Farrello is an associate professor at California State University East Bay. She does philosophy based on lived experience and works as a philosophical counselor. You can find some of her work online on academia.edu and psychology today.
1: Thank you. Hello everyone. Uh I'm very happy today to have uh, John Bidenbaum uh, with us uh, as uh, the speaker for uh, this new episode of Philosophy Gets Personal. Uh, John Bidenbaum uh, is uh, um, an educator who teaches classes in uh, world religion, religions, uh, courses that uh, he introduced uh, to two institutions, uh, ethics, uh, philosophy, bioethics, medical humanities uh, and uh, He thinks uh, um, about and writes articles on topics including the philosophy of religion, classical American philosophy and the philosophy of humor. Uh, He loves traveling and he tries to find an opportunity whenever it's possible to travel and to gain uh, as much firsthand and immersive cultural experience as he can. Uh, He loves New York City, uh, where he lives, uh, and uh, uh, his city and his classrooms uh, are a constant source uh, of inspirations and ideas for his work. So uh, thank you, Jonathan, for being here today with us.
0: Susie, thank you for having me.
1: Look, uh, um, I would start from here. Since I just read uh, an incredibly beautiful article uh, you wrote, uh, I would just... um, Ask you if you can, um, if we can chat about this article. Uh, This article is strongly based uh, on uh, your life. Uh, And since you teach bioethics, um, You manage, and this is a bioethical article. So, for those who don't know, bioethics is the discipline that studies the interconnection between ethics and our life with a strong accent on uh, uh, medical problems. And uh, unfortunately, recently, you had to live uh, through a bioethical uh, um, dilemma. And, you know, when we read the bio- about bioethics, uh, we always have uh, a kind of uh, a distant approach. Uh, it's uh, very mental. It's very um, cold. Uh, and when you live uh, within a bioethical uh, dilemma, it's... Uh, anything but this it's uh, a place where emotions uh, ride hide and you have to consider them um uh, i will not say anything more if you want to give us um, you know the yeah a, a sense of the structure of the article uh, what you've been through and maybe we can talk about that in a moment.
0: Sure, Susie. Uh, so, you know, I've been teaching bio courses in bioethics for a long time and ethics <laughs> sections in general, uh, excuse me, a bioethics section in, in general ethics classes as well for a very even longer. Uh, so, you know, and of course, you get in front of a class. You throw the, you come up with classic scenarios from history: Terry Schiavo, Dax Coward. You know some of the classic stories that come from the history of uh, ethical, uh, uh, you know, controversies in medicine. And then, of course, um, you know, one semester when I'm teaching two different courses in bioethics, both are honors courses at my each institution I teach at. My beautiful wife, the end of at the end of November, the weekend of Thanksgiving that we discovered where her labored breathing came from. She had tumors all over her chest and and a month later she she passed away. This was uh the end of December. she died. And so there was a period of time. It was about uh four or five days. It was believe it or not Christmas day, two thousand and twenty two when the uh, doctors uh, told me she was on her deathbed, and four days later she passed. And um, so, uh, uh, and then there was a the whole, you know, her poor, poor, poor parents. You know, this is—I don't want to go into too much detail but the background. But this is a second child they had lost. They had lost a, uh, another child when when Kasha was, much, much, much younger. Uh, they, um, understandably, right, you know, that this—it's it, the 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 almost impossibility. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a. My heart will be broken forever, but the parents to lose a child, it's a different world, you know, and of uh, grief. And um uh, they are
1: very religious. I mean, they uh, are from a Polish background. Uh, from uh, yeah. at, uh, I'm not sure how.
0: You know, it's interesting because I'm not so sure if they're, conf- you know, they're not like avid churchgoing type religious, okay. but still, still, you know, yes, they come from this. You know this uh, ethnic cultural heritage in which it's very Catholic to its core. Of course, interestingly enough, the Catholic moral teaching, as you know, you know, because you teach bioethics and you just, so you study natural law theory and things like you know theories like this, uh, states that you should not keep someone artificially alive. You know, uh, mm-hmm. beyond yeah. the point of no return, you're you're not encouraged. You know, you're encouraged to um, to let nature take its course after a certain point. You know, hope I stated that correctly. But um. You know, so uh so there there was some a circle of friends of of my late wife who, um who kind of wanted uh, a miracle to happen, you know, and did not want the machine shut off and and uh they influenced the parents and you know, I don't blame the pair, I don't really blame there's no villain in this story. There's mm-hmm. just human beings trying to come to terms mm-hmm. with what it's impossible to come to terms with. And uh my late wife is not even 42 years she just turned 42. I mean it's a young, oh, young person. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh um and uh so of course palliative care to- instructed me that well he the palliative care spoke to the whole family, but they singled me out because as the husband, I it was really the 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 decision is legally on on me. They were encouraging me, I think, rightly, you know, to have the machine shut off, that it was, you know, beyond the point of no return, that there was nothing uh, good can come of keeping her on. Um, My wife had reached the end of her life. So they were encouraging me to have the machine shut off. Uh, And as a duty to my wife... Uh, I had a number of reasons to agree with them. First of all, they're medical doctors. They were telling me what's going on in her body. And let's just say um, uh, I was torn between two duties, the duty to to my wife. And I think that it, all things considered been better to have the machine shut off. But at the same time, I felt another duty to her parents uh, who were not ready yet. And uh, I don't hold that duty as strong as a duty to my wife, but nonetheless, it was a duty nonetheless. So I was torn between these. Of course. And uh, um, over a a period of four or five days, but four, uh, let's say about four days. um, And then finally, of course, uh, the story gets gets long. I don't know how much story you want, but she, um, she, she died anyway on the machine. I mean, you know, her heart gave out. Uh, and uh, as the doctors told me, but at least four different occasions, palliative care Mm. came to me to tell me to have the machine shut off. And about, let's say, three and a half of those times, I kept saying, not yet, not yet, not yet.
1: I mean, uh, something that made your article very human is uh, how you tell uh, uh, these days. Uh, I mean, how you not the story, because uh, on one day... You are there uh, in an ICU, which is, uh, as you rightly say in the article, a sacred space. Oh, because, I do. I consider uh, it there that. are plenty of lights uh, that are uh, in between uh, yeah. in uh, a, a, a yes. very important transitions, uh, oh. transition. And uh, around you, there are the friends of uh, your wife, and uh, more or less each one of them. Uh, Feels um, uh, in the position to tell you, well, yeah. you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. I heard yeah. of people that come back. And uh, then those opinions yeah. uh, uh, start uh, influencing the parents uh, who are, yeah. of course, uh, themselves uh, for the well of uh, uh, your wife, but at the same time, uh, they are very vulnerable because they just came to the US without uh, without much of a network yeah. and so yeah. your wife was the main caregiver for them are, yeah. uh, there are different layers in these um, yeah in there were many that come layers. to the surface
0: that's right there were many layers to the story i mean my wife was my her parents you know she was uh, the surviving child she was the only child because she was a surviving child she as I mentioned she had lost her younger brother decades earlier she w- she facilitated their immigration to the states about 11 years earlier or 11 or 12 years prior uh she uh was their translator she arranged their medical appointments uh we we just cautioned uh, my wife and I just purchased a home uh about a, about a, you know a year and seven months earlier you know um and uh That was largely she wanted to make a base for her parents who lived downstairs. And so this story has so many levels and layers to it, you know, and um, that's right. And so, yeah, they. And what
1: shocked me is that uh, the doctors uh, uh, at some point uh, proposed you. you know, We can help you to solve uh, this dilemma, since uh, we see you that you want uh, to give space to the parents, uh, but at the same time you believe that it's fair uh, for her uh, to not feel uh, pain and to not be here. We can uh, unplug the machine, and uh, we would say, uh, "Okay." uh, Yeah, that's right. That's
0: right. It's amazing, though. I mean, I'm partly to blame along the way at my morally weakest. I I wanted to offload the decision to them, you know, and they said so much so much to me that hey, listen, you know, offload it to us, say that we're making you do it, you know. But of course, that there's something dishonest about that because it is my legal decision, and and uh, I just kind of didn't want to be the bad guy, you know. I wanted the machine shut off. Uh, because I, I, the idea of the, the 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 idea of my my wife potentially being kept alive indefinitely, and artificially, which is not something she would have wanted, uh, there was also the the, the possibility, as made clear to me, you know, her main care doctor at Perlmutter and NYU said I shouldn't even worry about her suffering anything. She was so sedated uh, while she was intubated, but the. The, um, there were doctors on the floor that said, "No, we can't. We can't uh, necessarily confirm that. You know, we 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 can't uh, know that for sure. You know, the nervous system is a complex insane. thing. Yeah, there might be some discomfort going on, which is a polite way of saying agony. And I I could not live knowing that that's yeah. even if it was a small possibility. I could not live with that. So I wanted the machine shut off sooner rather than later." But yes, I didn't also didn't want to be the bad guy. I didn't want to, you know, decades to roll on with the parents and the circle of friends seeing me as a monster, um, which is not the most, that's not the truly moral reason why I kept staving off palliative care. And, and you know, I, I also feel a duty that, you know, cautious, my wife's parents have to, this means something, you know. But um, uh, still, I kind of, did resonate to it when they, when some of the palliative care doctors said to me, listen, offloaded the decision to us and just say that we're kind of, you know, uh, making you do it, which of course, you know, Sartre called that bad faith. You know, you want to mm-hmm. sort of, you know, elude responsibility over yourself and, 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 you know, uh, kind of uh, objectify yourself and say, no, I'm being made to do such and such, but you're not. You know, you are, you, you know, it would be, ironically, it, it would be me you know, um, uh, uh, freely giving them my freedom, you know, in order to claim that I was, that I that I had no choice, you know, but it's, it's just not the case, you know. So eventually I snapped out of it, I'm happy to say. And um, this is the last time palliative care uh, met with me one-on-one. I, I said to them, no, no, I'm still going to, we, we want to wait at least one more day because I gave the father two days on Wednesday, two more days. Uh, believe it or not, he had to work that week. You that's know, the you, the, the that's week awesome. his, his daughter was on life support. Had, on, wow. on, it's like there's no I don't even know what how to put that in the words. But the the um, uh, but Thursday morning uh, palliative care said to me, listen, we're, we're looking at everything here. What's going on with her body? She's going to she only has 24 hours left, you know, and it could be in the middle of the night with only a nurse in the room with her. And I and I said okay, fine. Then it's Thursday, it's like so Friday. They, but, um,
1: so they don't allow you to be there if it's uh you know the last uh, holiday, holiday.
0: yeah. But the point is that she would perish too quickly. In other words, uh, it's not, uh, of course if it looks like she's gonna go within an, an hour or something. Yeah, they would call me as they did with my father twenty years ago. You know, I saw my father also die of cancer. But the um uh from for my wife uh it, it just they don't know when in fact uh while i finally said fine tonight around five o'clock we're gonna i'm gonna have the machine shut off you know uh and of course around three third you know or th- late afternoon i'm pacing back and forth in front of the hospital because i'm just you know the uh, the you know w- w- what would happen later you know i mean i now I would, you know, the parents, I, I, I told them already, I informed them, I'm going to Uber them to the hospital because I don't want them driving home after. Um, and they, uh, w- w- you know, would, would they all of a sudden resist? Would they all of a sudden start screaming? Would they all of a sudden say, no, don't remove the machine? You know, would, would a fight break, I mean, I, who knows what would happen? I mean, I'm not cut out for this, for this, yeah. I teach bioethics, but you're not, you know, you, to have this on your shoulders. But then what happens, I'm pacing back and forth and I get a bunch of fevered texts uh, from one of Kasha's friends who was by her bedside at the moment saying, John, you better come up right now. And then I ran up, ran past the front desk, hopped on the elevator, ran to the room. And then her her heart was giving out right then and there. The lung was pressing against the heart or something like this. And then she, she died, you know, so exactly 3.50 PM. So, you know, so, in an hour and in 10 minutes before I was going to have the machine shut off. And so I was absolved from having to, Makes to carry change. through, yeah, I was absolved from having to carry through with that decision. And as you may imagine, people from different angles are telling me, but the, you know, well, you know, the supernatural reason that she actually passed, you know. So I get some that says, "Well, she wants to rescue you from having to make that difficult decision," but I can imagine someone on the opposite side. Saying, well, she was not going to let you kill her, you know. So she died before. <laughs> so it's like, you know, what do you do? I mean, I mean, I don't know. It, it, ended, it. Ended, look, maybe, uh, uh, you know, score for the biologists and for the medical doctors who's who told me that morning that she was going to be within 24 hours she was going to die. They called it, and 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 they were right, and and she did. And so, you know, and that's kind of where my bet is. You know, she just, uh, she just, you know, her the lung was was gone and then the pressure on the heart it finally kind of it took her you know so there you have that and, and yeah
1: i was about just to say that two things uh, um i don't know impressed me when i was reading one of the, um, the speed at which yeah. everything happened yeah. so you received a phone call i mean it's through a yeah. phone call that you had to make the decision to intubate her that's or not right. that's right which that's is uh, right. That's extremely right. difficult yeah. and frustrating because intubation Sorry. is most of the time a decision you cannot come back from uh yeah. it, it, i mean it's half half it, it can lead to okay then uh yeah. She recover, or it can lead to the decision of um, right, yeah, right. artificial uh, life uh, supported for uh, who knows how long. Yeah. And uh, the last sentence uh, uh, of your um, of your article, uh, when uh, you describe uh, your uh, mother-in-law oh, choosing the clothes for her, uh, yeah. the favorite red dress. Uh, yeah, and, uh, right. you can finally let yourself feeling uh, her absence uh, and yeah. you're choking. I mean, your heart is melting and uh, you don't know how to say this to your students, how to convey this to your student, which is exactly I, yeah. the point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, on the one hand, some of them have been through it too. I mean, I've had students over the years that lost their children. I've had students over the years, of course, they lose their parents, they lose their siblings. I have students who are vets that come back from war, you know, and lose their... You know, uh, brothers and sisters in arms, you know, and I and I um, so I have you have the whole gamut of 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 mm-hmm. personalities and vocations and 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 backgrounds who may have had you know what tragedy is and uh who have lived through these things. nonetheless, truly, Susie, truly it's the truth. Nothing teaches you about how layered and complex the psyche is mm-hmm. than grief, you mm-hmm. know, because to be perfectly honest with you. Now it's about what is it eight months now? Eight or nine months now. Um, uh, I uh, and I'm having sadder moments now than I did, you know, you know, sort of within the past, you know, than I did maybe a, a month or two after she passed. You know, because it now all of a sudden these this after she passed, of course, there's a memorial and funeral. Then I I had to sell the house. You know, yeah, I, it was, I went from a two yeah. income situation to a one income situation. And that was a lot entailed with that. A lot of, and so busy, busy, busy mode, you know, and uh, all of us. so now that's all out of the way and I'm free of some of those ordeals. But then for that reason, for that very reason, you know, now I get those moments, you know, you know, where is she? Where did she go? You know, You know, it's amazing after my father passed 20 years ago, you know, after like a month or so, he started appearing in my dreams. He was in my dreams for a good 15 years after he passed. You know, and in the world of the dream, he was never gone to begin with. Unfortunately, so I never, ha- I never had the chance to say, "Dad, you're back." You know, what's the afterlife like? Give me a, you know, because in the world of the dream, he was never gone to begin with. So it's just, you know, there is this Brooklyn accent, John. You know, at the kitchen table, you know, he <laughs> to look everywhere, You know, but um, mm-hmm. who knows what's gonna happen? I mean, gosh, my wife, will always be in my heart. You know, and so, uh, and that, and that, so. Uh, who knows the course this will take? A year from now, two years from now, but you know, yeah, grief teaches you this. It teaches you it's it's a complex thing, you know. And uh, but there are certain images that are you know in, seared into my brain because you know I was I'm alongside her parents and watching this process happen you know uh to be in the room with them when they see her, their daughter as a corpse for the first time you know uh and you know for me it's not an easy thing either as you may imagine so um and that's that but in any case so I, as someone who teaches about bioethics you know you know it's interesting because one of the rather uh, decent moments in over the years, this is even before my wife got sick and, and passed. For in regards to affording me, you know, uh, some sort of another sort of level of teaching the subject matter of bioethics, you know. So Terry Schiavo is a name that I'm sure you're familiar with. In you know the uh, of the young woman who had a heart attack and stroke in 1990, but in 2005 they finally pulled the feeding tube on her after 15 years of battling it out in the courts and. You know, uh, Michael Shiva, the husband, wanted the tube removed, the feet to remove. The parents did not. But you know, when you throw it up a, as a scenario to, to a room full of students, you know, it's one thing. But then a, a a good video came out in retrospect, many years after, which actually where you meet the parents and you see them, you know, and you then you meet Michael Shiva. Not literally, he doesn't introduce himself to the camera, but you see them, you know. And then you discover that it's not like, you know, the good guys versus a villain, but you see two human worldviews, you know, and you see it in the flesh, you know, and you see these are human beings that really truly come from a perspective. Michael Schaefer wanting a kind of closure and, and, you know, for, for, for his wife that he, that, that he loved and the parents, you know, loving their child. So you know, it's important to show the human element that there's something that it's like to actually be in the shoes of someone undergoing a a kind of phenomenology, if you will, of living through an issue of bioethics. And so, uh, well, you know, in the least pleasant possible way, of course, and I I have been introduced to that. You know, I mean, there was another, a slightly lighter version of it 20 years ago when the doctor said to my family, listen, we can save, you know, uh, my dad's, you know, one of his, one of, you know, the cancer had hit one of the vital organs, but then the, then the doctor said to us, we can do something heroic and save that organs, but then it's going to be possibly more painful in a few months from now, you know, and it was really no decision, you mm-hmm. know, but this is a different story because here there was a real tussle for a while, you know. And, um,
1: uh, sorry. Yeah. One thing I appreciated in reading your article now it's a mandatory reading for my students by the way oh okay <laughs> if I told you uh, is that um, uh, you cite Kant yes uh, the Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, it can give you some comfort to decide, but then it can be used in so many ways because, you know, Kant uh, tells us for our uh, listeners who don't know him um, that there's a a categorical imperative to respect the dignity, the humanity uh, in uh, the person in front of us, which is an absolutely right thing to do and to say. But then uh, in uh, which one of the two sides will you use uh, Kant? Yeah. Right. Yeah,
0: you know, it's interesting because if anyone ever says to you, and we get this as professional philosophers sometimes, yeah. how does this theory relate to life? Mm-hmm. Well, you're damn right it does relate to life because, you know, uh, of course, uh, I had made a passing remark to one of the, uh, the head of palliative care at this hospital that uh, I teach the subject matter. But then at one point, this is around the second time he cornered me that he wanted to kind of, mm-hmm. he me to have the machine shut off, you know? And he said to me, can I talk to you philosopher to philosopher? Mm-hmm. And I said, of course, and he goes, and he invoked Immanuel Kant. And the, and the, the second um, most, you know, clear when we teach Immanuel Kant, You know, there's a whole number of uh, versions of the categorical imperative, and of course, for the listeners, you know, the uh, generally speaking, we, we tend to offer two of them as the most sort of well known. One is that should follow that maxim you could will to become a universal law that is, is universalizable. You would have everyone else do the same thing in that same situation. But the second one is to treat everyone as possessing intrinsic worth, not, not instrumental, you know, not as means to an end, but as ends in themselves. And so that's the one, the second one is the one he invokes that I should. And, and it, it, of course his mat his how he was applying it was that, you know, uh your wife it's all about her and her existential dignity uh as he put it not you know what would please or, or or the the friends or the parents or you know or give them some kind of uh you know it's about her and her needs and that's why you should have the machine shut off and uh so I mean look so yeah he invoked that and of course you know the other theories the other theories make their way in, in as well like you know they there was definitely a contingent among the friends that wanted her to remain on the machine that would invoke miracle type things. And they were religious in a very kind of, in a kind of folk piety kind of sense. And I say that without any condescension, but of course, you know, I but in the, in the Roman Catholic tradition that they were all in, you know, you have a, there is a body of, uh, philosophical ethics, you know this is called natural law theory that there are purposes built into nature and we should and we should realize those purposes and natural law theory actually uh in the Catholic Church holds and I hope I'm not mistaken on this that the machine should be shut off you know you should not artificially extend someone's life beyond the point of no return that you and uh uh that's something to consider too and of course, you know this it's incredible how uh ideas do fit life, you mm. know. And, and uh, they have a, a concrete bearing on it, and you know all, these are all things to consider when you're in the midst of a of a concrete situation. But at the same time, you know, I mean, look, it's one of those things you can look at it from more than one angle. I mean, you know, from an, at the same time, sometimes the messiness and complexity of life. Also eludes the simplicity of theory as well. So yeah. you know, yeah. so the fact that uh, the doctor would invoke the theory, trying to promote me to do something, is uh, relevant in regards to the relationship of theory to life. But the fact, of course, the complexity of the situation, and and of and you know, like you mentioned, like whose you know duty can be multifaceted. You know, I had a duty for my wife, but I had a duty to cautious parents too. Too, you know, that I w- I could not so easily flout their wishes either, that, that means something, you know? And uh, so I'm between these two worlds
1: here. Especially you know? for uh, considering how difficult it was for them to express yeah. themselves uh, in English because their first language is Polish. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. you know. Yeah, the doctor, was, at one point, the doctor, at one point, head of palliative care, he, he unfolded the sheet of, 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 uh, of numbers to call, of professional translators, I uh, also had we had one of Kash's um, friends who works in the medical field call and FaceTime the parents and and then we also and you know luck of all luck you know one of the nurses on staff was a Polish woman from the same region oh, as my wife. Oh wow! Okay. You know, I I goosebumps appear on my neck when I say this. My hair stands on end. You know, Ka, you know, my wife's last conversation on this earth was with a woman from the same region of poland as she was from Incredible. you know and we know my wife's last words you know we know she she said to the um, nurse when they were intubating she said look out to my parents tell them i'm okay you know, wow. you know she was so concerned with you know with uh because I mean, of course she believed also that she would come out you know and then she would come home and have her cancer battle. And of course it was not to be. So yeah, no, there's a, there's so many, it was four, I didn't sleep much those four or five days. There was so much,
1: so many layers
0: and angles on this, you know, on that event, on that long complex event, you know.
1: And now how are you holding up? I mean, is philosophy serving you in some way? What, What's <laughs> <was> your way? <laughs> yeah.
0: It always serves me, you know. It's it's the uh, to come to terms or lack of closure on our knowledge of the world. Where do we go when we pass? You know, the the tension between what we want and, and faith and what our reason tells us, and the way they grind together. What Uno Uno called the tragic sense of life, that yearning for that spiritual yearning, that but yet one that that's not uh, supported by reason, but grinds against it. You know. Uh, philosophy is you know and almost and uh is is a whole number of lenses that i can put on to see the world from different angles whenever mm-hmm. i need to to help contextualize in a much deeper sense all the different facets that I, that we live through that you know and uh so I, of course i've uh, the house was sold uh, uh, I'm in a new, beautiful neighborhood in Harlem in New York City. I'm really a city person. I'm not meant for this. Yeah. I could have continued in the suburbs with my wife, you know, and her family, her parents living downstairs. We we could have done it for for a minute, but not without her, you know. Yeah. I don't like to drive on a driver, you know. Hop on the subway, so yeah. I I I'm I'm happy to be back in the in the in the in the city Absolutely. and where I belong. And um, uh, of course. No, this no silver lining can erase that dark cloud. I mean, I would rather have her back, but uh, given that uh, the circumstances of my life are pretty decent at the moment, you know, um, I'm employed, I'm in a great neighborhood, I, I enjoy the city life, uh, and listen, we're philosophers. We, you know, philo- as Plato taught us, you know, that that the the, the 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 although in a different kind of mode than than. Uh, uh, than, than simply giving life. I mean, Plato argued that, you know, our lives are one of dying, even in the midst of life, of course, you know, but even if I don't completely buy the ascetic, you know, flavor he brings to the Phaedo, you know, but Mm -hmm. nonetheless, um, death is, or the Heideggerian notion of anticipating our own mortality. I mean, this is just what it, you know, as philosophers are rightly preoccupied with mortality and death and, and, uh, and sort of weaning whatever meaning we can in the face of it, on the face of the fact we're finite beings, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though some philosophers claim we have something that we're not totally finite, you know, as Plato and the Phaedo argues. But still, I think the point being that, you know, this is part of my calling, of my discipline to come to terms with mortality. And uh, so in uh, here, here that is, and I I live up to my calling, even, even, In the midst of most painful life circumstances, but but you make the most, and and life is still meaningful. And there's a strange, yeah, yeah.
1: Speaking of which, uh, this is generally uh, the last question of uh, our uh, talk and interview. Uh, What uh, what is the meaning? I mean, if life has a meaning, what would be the meaning of life? You think?
0: My goodness gracious! (laughs) I Uh, know. What question? What a question. Uh, Here is where we have to invoke something that some philosophers too often forget, and that's a little bit of humility. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be able to put a fence around a final answer for that, because if anything, this recent event with my wife and, and events before and after, meanings keep flowing in you know so i consider myself the opposite of an of a nihilist uh if a you know i one of my dear friends is a philosophical nihilist and i'm not opposing myself to him because he probably has a much richer notion of what nihilism is but let's just say sort of the the the, uh, the basic idea of nihilism that there's nothing inherently meaningful and I'm the opposite of that I think life is suffused with meaning even even in the absence of any apparent overarching metaphysical meaning and I'm not neg- neg- neglecting that either. You know, what the world religions have to tell us. You know, whether it was st- we're stuck in the wheel of birth and death, or whether there's a loving God or a transcendental ground. Or you know, these are all you know to to consider. But even in the absence of of knowing which of those models are the correct ones, still our, our ordinary lives. I mean, there's an atmosphere to this room, to this conversation, to the experiences I had with my wife, to to to, 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 to the nagging, rub, rub, you know, that this this thing that that that. T- sticks in my side that you know uh reminding me you know where 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 is she I was just by her side and now she's gone I'm moving toward that door too you know and uh and all of all all the way in which that fact resonates in my in our experience you know um just about being in a body in a world you know uh life is suffused with levels and layers of meaning you know and um and and I don't want to say, and I can't say uh, that I have a, a kind of a, a, a hold uh, on it in such a way that, ah, here it is. Here is the meaning of life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe we should invoke a little bit of pluralism, you know, when we speak about then speak of meanings, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I hope that it wasn't too much of a cop-out, that answer.
1: No, it makes sense. I mean, meaning is what you find meaningful in uh, that moment, in that encounter, yeah. in uh, what maybe doesn't make sense in that moment, but later on, and, yeah. uh, it's uh, it drives you in a direction instead of another. I Yeah, I, I can totally see that.
0: Like Kierkegaard said, you know, uh, life is understood backwards, but it has to be lived forwards, you know.
1: Beautiful, yeah.
0: So yeah on of meaning, and do you know who loved that quote. You know, William well, William James was ah, told that quote uh, by somebody, uh-huh. but Jay, well, James uh, is a tremendous influence on me. You I know, know I love why. Yeah, yeah. So, and he was definitely a a philosopher that spoke to a very heavily pluralistic sense of, 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 of life's meanings all coming at us from different ways. And he sought it, he sought to tap into it from different angles, you know, whether it was taking nitrous oxide or, or writing a religious experience or, you know, an, or embodied worldly experience, you know, all of these different avenues. So, you know, he's someone a, a thinker I resonate to naturally by way of personality and also simply by the beauty of his writing but I think he, he is essential for this discussion as well. You know, arguing, and He went you
1: know, through a severe mental breakdown for uh, yeah. a few years in his life. So it yeah. was someone who had to struggle uh, to find yeah. his way back to something yeah. beautiful. The, the will to believe, I think it's one of... Uh...
0: Yes, yeah, well, that's one of his great ones, of course. Yeah. But, you know, at one point early on in his late youth or early manhood or... You know, he was taking the the, the the question of of determinism really personally seriously, you know. And uh, of course, uh, and you know, maybe we're maybe we don't have free will, and it, it was an agonizing. And then he read the French uh, writer Charles Renovier, which I'm probably mispronouncing, and you know, then William James says, "My first act of free will should be to believe in free will." You know, that kind of existential leap, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and. Um, yeah. And some have argued that there's a sense in which the robustness of his prose and style of life was a kind of compensation for his, for his struggle with, with, uh, with, you know, uh, uh, depression and, and, and all other kind of maladies. And and he would probably be the first to admit it, you know? Yeah. This is kind of, he, he joins those long list of philosophers whose ideas and whose life kind of overlap in, in, in many ways, you know?
1: And that, it's kind of unique at that time. Uh, and yeah. There aren't so many philosophers yeah. open to, yeah. to do it, which is what we try to do in this yes. podcast, uh, right. to see how yeah. philosophy and life uh, intersect with each other and, uh, and to get through.
0: Of course, absolutely.
1: Anyway, thank you so much for uh, opening up to us for this wonderful uh, talk we had uh, and uh, thanks again for joining us today. Susie,
0: thank you for having me. I enjoyed our conversation very much.
1: Me too.